off the ball, cheering on the girls in green. I followed the Irish women since 1983. 82,000 people, that's going to be something else. There'll be a hell of a lot of Irish in that and it'll be a hell of a game as well. Love off the ball, we really do love off the ball. Welcome along to Thursday night's Off the Ball on what has been already an historic day for Irish sports with the Republic of Ireland competing in their first ever match at a World Cup Finals. Unfortunately, the results did not go their way, as you will have heard on the news there. A 1-0 loss to Australia at Stadium Australia in Sydney. And we will reflect on that game a little bit later on in the show with Kathleen McNamee, with Gavin Cooney, and we'll hear from the players themselves with Kyra Crusa and Lucy Quinn. Now, Ellen Keane just turned 28 in April. She's already looking at life after swimming. Retirement at 28. She joins us on tonight's show as well. And as Limerick strive to win a fourth All-Ireland title in a row, we look back on a time when such aspirations were very fanciful indeed. We'll talk the 2010 strike with Andrew O'Shaughnessy, Niall Moran and Paul Brown. And it being Thursday, we'll talk to John Giles as well. You can get in contact with us, 53106 for 30 cent. Your reflections on this morning's events in Sydney uh, and indeed at uh, Hoylake as well as the opening day of the Open uh, can continues this evening. Uh, joining us in studio is Arthur O'Dea and Amory Donlan. Hi well, Rich. Welcome Hi, both Rich. of you. Uh, you were on your way in here this morning so you're useless to ask about the match this morning Arthur. Uh, I saw bits. You yeah. saw bits. Uh, Amory, your thoughts? Yeah I was impressed by it. If you had said kind of when that draw was made that Saturday morning and it was flagged as the group of death if you had said that Ireland would only lose 1-0 to Australia in that opening game and it have been a penalty that decided the game, then you would have probably thought somebody was mad to be saying that, which kind of um, sees where this Irish side is at the moment, you know. And I think it has to be remembered as well, this side possibly has qualified a tournament too early as in when they didn't qualify for the last Euros I think most people's goal would have been the next European Championships now it was obviously brilliant to qualify for the World Cup and they obviously are going there with great belief etc but they are possibly a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of major tournaments but there was great positives to take out of today we knew obviously that they'd set up quite defensively and they were impressive in that regard and also Abby Larkin as well I think coming on at the age of 18 she the way she held herself when she came on there was absolutely no nerves and she brought a bit of danger going forward as well that was brilliant to see so it does look like going forward this team you know they're not a flash in the pan and you never know as well with Sam Kerr being out for the Canada game it does kind of slightly throw the group that little bit more open and if they were to get a result against Canada you never know but there were definitely positives massively to take out of the game and it was brilliant as well that they didn't seem to falter to the occasion because there had been such a long build up to this um, ever since they qualified but also even before that and then in the weeks coming up to the game you know with the Columbia game and the allegations against Vera Pau everything and they really didn't seem to falter at the occasion you know they really didn't seem to let it get to them Yeah it'll take a lot for uh, a lot of people to get up at half three in the morning and watch Canada and Nigeria and find out what lies ahead of us Arthur for the next couple of games but certainly there's enough confidence to build upon from this morning you're coming away going yeah. we should have gotten a draw against the tournament hosts in the opening game of the tournament you're doing something right yeah because that was definitely even I know yesterday we had our first World Cup show with Kathleen and Sinead O'Carroll and like 
I suppose, you know, wanting to be positive. But at the same time, I think they predicted 3-1 kind of storyline. So I appreciate that. And that that was before we knew the news about Sam Kerr. So that's kind of, that does temper it a bit. But I, I, like... (laughs) from a very I suppose from, from my outlook from the thing it's not I don't find it that surprising you've kind of always I suppose been pretty well organised and pretty well regimented yeah. and it's kind of I kind of as they both said sort of the time like the problem probably would be scoring goals rather than necessarily stopping them so it prob- it still seems while it's extremely good and you're, you want to have a good show yourselves I don't know I mean you, you were in here at all hours this morning watching it what do you think do you think like it's re- realistic that they'd win the next two Win, win the, ne- win the win next the next two. I don't like. I I can't say I will have seen enough of Nigeria to to know that three points would be given against them. They could definitely hope for a result for sure. Canada is going to be again another another tough game. It's how the rest of the group pans out. I think is is ultimately going to be um, what you know Ireland are depending on, and that Canada Australia game suddenly seems huge, particularly if Kerr isn't going to play for Australia, which uh, certainly appears to be the case, judging on the this morning's mutterings. But um, yeah, like I think that's it's unfortunate we're talking about a hard fought one nil loss. Yeah, but I think again that's just that's where we are. Like they're a very hard fighting side who don't necessarily have a lot of goals in them. So this is the result that more often than not when you come up against these types of teams that are going to that are going to befall us it is slightly satisfying though that it was a penalty and not um, like I thought you would have heard Tony Gustafson's the Australian yeah. manager's comments yeah. yesterday where he's like we have identified a weakness in the Irish defence particularly towards the end of the half and particularly one or two of their players you're like how long you smug get yeah. where are you go? that's like that close to being do you remember Brendan Rodgers with his I have three envelopes and in these envelopes are the names of players that are going to let me down this season. You're like, where'd you get off me? No, he wasn't even prompted. He wasn't like, where do you see the uh, the uh, the tactical foibles of Ireland being? He's like, and he went on. He was like, out of nowhere. Oh, by the way, they're crap towards the end of each half and there's one or two players that are dodgy and we're going to get them. And it took a penalty for them to, to overturn us. So uh, at least there's that. Uh, as I mentioned as well, we're going to go to uh, Limerick and look back on the dark times in Limerick hurling. Arthur, you managed to put this piece together. It is, I, what when we talk about teams being rampant and we talk about teams winning All-Ireland after All-Ireland after All-Ireland, what does soften the cough is going back to days like 2010 when Limerick were in absolute turmoil and the thought of winning four All-Irelands in a bounce was a completely dreamlike state. Uh, we talked to three veterans of that as well on the show. Yeah, thought of winning one All Ireland was fanciful. Like, let alone like this is nobody plans to do what they're doing now. No. Nobody can. Um, but I just remember that it was so because it was like they'd gotten to the final in 07 Yeah, and there was a kind of it. It wasn't that it was there was they got there on merit, but it was a strange year. Remember those three games against Tipperary. Yeah. And then losing to Waterford and then beating Waterford again when everyone expected them to lose. So that was kind of, there was a, a sense of... Um, Asher, it's good enough to be there kind of thing. A little bit of that, yeah. but there was kind of a... Yeah, it wasn't quite... Co- you if you went back and said, how have they plotted this out? You wouldn't be able to necessarily say, well, really, there's a plan here with all this. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of falls apart thereafter. Like, again, back in the All-Ireland semi-final in 09, and they get hammered by Tipperary, absolutely hammered. And then... It shouldn't happen yeah, in an All-Ireland semi-final. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Yeah. And it does tend to happen. It sort of happened again to Limerick in 2013. But it's just... Yeah, as you're saying, and the lads, the lads will know, they'll, as they'll talk about, like, it's... 
I suppose it was quite in vogue at the time with like a strike but just this notion that like you know 12 players I think they said were cut away and then it was really done cack-handedly so a lot of other players start walking away and I just remember that time and like the lads it was so tough as they kind of they'll mention really tough for the guys who had to come in and make up the squad who were kind of either peripheral or players who probably had their chance they were a little, a little yeah. bit older into their 20s already and just having to come in to make up the squads and take hammerings generally more or like beaten certainly but the league that year in 2010 they lost all seven of their matches and suffered a particular hammering against Dublin in their last yeah. game they relegated them and the, f- the fantastic thing really in the whole because I remember from 2018 say when the, when it turns back they got relegated that year and I know the league kept shifting format and some whatever yeah. but if they didn't get promoted again until 2018 2018 was when they came back up and I remember in 2018 thinking well, that's already been a good year. They've already done that. So they've got promoted back up to Division 1A or whatever it was at the time. That's fantastic. Mm. And then obviously it proceeds to go on and win the All-Ireland. Like it just keeps building and building and building. But it does show like how long they were kind of on the other end of it. It was, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, we'll talk in detail uh, about that a little bit after eight o'clock. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Andrew O'Shaughnessy, Noel Moran and Paul Brown about that. As I mentioned, John Giles on the way. Ellen Keane as well, 28 years of age and contemplating retirement. Uh, would you believe We start, Anne-Marie, uh, the news round with events in Sydney this morning. Yeah, the Republic of Ireland suffered a narrow 1-0 defeat to Australia in their first ever FIFA Women's World Cup game today. Matilda's captain, Steph Catley, scored the winner from the penalty spot in Sydney. That was after a foul by Marissa Shiva. Australia are therefore top of Group B, while Canada and Nigeria meet in the morning. Ireland's Lucy Quinn felt they could have gotten more out of the game, but also recognised the gravity of the occasion. At the minute it's a weird mixture, I'm really disappointed because obviously that was a great end to the game and we really could have stolen something there. Um, And then on the other side of things, yeah, I'm I'm super proud, super happy, my family are here and that's what I've wanted to do since I was six years old and to do it in this shirt is just, I'm very lucky and it's it's something that I'll have with me now for the rest of my life. Honestly, it was unbelievable, I knew that they'd they'd be there in numbers but yeah, we could hear them and when you look at the, the crowd you think, how is that possible? They're singing, they're cheering, you know, they're really driving us energy wise and yeah it's a special moment to look out into the crowd and see all the green and and see the flag and yeah they were loud all all the game through there you go that's Lucy Quinn speaking after the uh, 1-0 defeat yeah and the game was nil all at half time speaking to Kathleen McNamee after the game Kira Carusa explained what was said by manager Vera Pau in the dressing room message from Vera yeah it was that um, we keep our heads and the next five minutes coming out in that half are crucial for us. Again, read the momentum of the game, catch, catch the moments in which that we have it, and when if or when we don't, and continue to do what we do well. But I, I think the biggest thing was that she's gonna. She was basically like, "There's gonna be one moment. There's gonna be one moment that dictates this game back and forth." And and truly, it was. And it's really unfortunate that that was the moment that was that did. But again, it's that's football for you. And what were you saying to each other after the penalty was given away? And I mean, you could, there was nothing no one could do with that penalty. It was incredibly well taken. But yeah. what was the message within the team? I'd say that the message within the team was push step up I think after that after that we were that was kind of a a catalyst for us to to say you know what we're going to change this a bit we're going to push up a bit more we're going to put them under the back foot and we're going to make them have to play out when 
when they don't really want to play out. So I think that if anything, it was a catalyst to for us to get behind one another and say that I believe that we you can do this and I believe that I can do this. Kira Caruso there. We'll hear more from her and Lucy Quinn in the next hour of the show. 53106 for 30 cents. Want to get in contact tonight? Uh, somebody asks, was the penalty not a lack of discipline? Uh, penalties, um, sadly, more often than not, tend to be so, yes. Uh, also, we've had Jack on YouTube saying, folks, should Amber Barrett not have been brought on? Has an eye for goal based on recent events. Very positive result nonetheless. Thank you for that, Jack. Yeah, yeah she was warming up at one point. She was. She? I think, yeah, Kathleen pointed that out as well when we speak to her um, uh, later on that she was warming up and at the point where you thought she was going to be brought on it was Izzy Atkinson who came on which I don't know maybe Vera knows uh, more than we do but um, we'll talk more in depth as I mentioned with uh, Cathy McNamee on that and also uh, with Gav Cooney from the 42.ie and we'll hear further uh, thoughts from the two players as well Stephen on YouTube as well thank you for your message who says I'm on the bus on the way home number three bus two packs of Quavers Glasgow it's that kind of input <laughs> that keeps us going uh, what was the other results this morning Marie? Co-hosts New Zealand caused a massive upset in the tournament's opening game Hannah Wilkinson's goal saw them beat North Norway 1-0 in Auckland. That's their first ever World Cup win in 16 attempts. Group A opponents Switzerland and the Philippines meet tomorrow and tomorrow's other game is the clash of Spain and Costa Rica in Group C. Yeah, half three start for uh, for Canada and um, Nigeria in our group as well, which is uh, it's going to be a tough ask, but uh, there are those of us amongst us. I know um, one or two out in the office are certainly going to be up at that hour to, uh, to watch it ahead of uh, OTBAM in the morning. Um, the two lads, Nathan and Joe, are in a Telegram group at the moment, absolutely loving life, chatting backwards and forwards, talking about the first round of the Open. Rory McIlroy is one over par through 14 holes of his opening round at the Open Championship at Hoylake. Waterford's Seamus Power, meanwhile, is a level par. He's best of the Irish. That's after an opening round of 71. 2019 champion Shane Lowry is one over par after today, as is Meath amateur Alex Maguire. Darren Clark then is two over with Padraig Harrington back on three over. There is currently a three-way tie for the lead on five under par. Yeah, one of those, the South African amateur, uh, Christau Lamprecht. Great name. Um, big night for Irish sides in uh, European football. We know Shamrock Rovers are going to have to play Ferenc Varos in the second qualifying round uh, next week. And Marie, uh, more sides looking to join them in that round tonight? Hopefully so. Three Irish sides are in Europa Conference League qualifying action later on. Dundalk resume level at nil all with Bruno's Magpies. That's ahead of their second leg at Oriel Park. Derry City are also at home and also scoreless that's with Torshavan and St. Pat's must overturn a 2-1 first leg deficit at home to Dudelange of Luxembourg. All of those games kick off at 7.45 We're going to be talking um, transfers in depth with John Giles uh, very shortly indeed uh, one of those ones we touch upon was one that has been flagged for a while. Uh, it looked as if for a while he was off to Saudi Arabia but he's gone to the equally more glamorous Wolves. Matt Doherty (laughs) has rejoined the club on a free transfer as part of a three-year deal. The Republic of Ireland International played more than 300 games for the club in his first spell before moving to Tottenham in 2020. The 31-year-old went to Atletico Madrid in January of this year for a brief spell that unfortunately didn't work out. So Matt Doherty back at Molyneux. Yeah, he's he's a Republic of Ireland International playing in the Premier League, Arthur. I don't think we can um, give out about that. He will look at this as well some people might look at this as a, as a backward step but this is this, this suits him to a T you would imagine 
Oh yeah, I think it's a good, it's a, not a bad outcome at all. Yeah, I mean the Spurs didn't go well. Atletico Madrid didn't really go well. This is back, as you're saying, kind of it's in an environment he'll be comfortable in, presumably somewhat anyway. Yeah, um, with a chance to kick on in a team that's kind of great manager and like it, it's 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 a no-brainer. It's a fantastic outcome. It's much better than the alternative, I suppose, of going to Saudi Arabia or wherever and just kind of packing He's it in. He's possibly a bit relieved that Wolves are willing to take him back. When you, you think about where it could have gone. You, yeah, well, I'm kind of you look at his. He's 31. Um, he last two spells have not been have not positive. gone well at all. Um, yeah, getting a Premier League move at all would be, would be fantastic for Doherty. It's just a funny one where you just see Saudi Arabia. He's, he's obviously got the George Mendes links, uh, as do Wolves. To be fair, but when he's getting linked with Saudi Arabia and possibly earning a couple of hundred thousand tax free a week, suddenly you land in the. West Midlands. Yeah. I, I'm sure, I hope his family are okay with the decision. They're not like Matt. At least his life still has a point, you know? It's like there's like, <laughs> a sort of professional impetus to get up in the morning, like, you know? Like, apart from the limbo that is Saudi Arabia for a bunch of footballers from here on in. It's just a waste of time. You won't, like, are, is there a point, where, like, at what point do we start covering it with any degree of seriousness? I was just wondering that recently. It won't be long before do you think? a British so. broadcaster at least oh, gets yeah. highlights. That's 100%. on the way. They via, did. Was via a play will probably do it we're going to start seeing gear as well in shops and on kids Ronaldo Al Nasser jerseys on 6 year olds and 7 year olds yeah. I definitely read a briefing no, I'm not sure whether it was from the newspaper it was in the Telegraph of the Times explaining what TNT was going to be since the BT trade over oh yeah and there was definitely I think they're moving away the general consensus was I think they're moving away from things like even BT score or whatever that's gone yeah and towards more live sports as a constant stream of live sport and it was again I don't know whether it was who involved was saying it but it was definitely raised there that it could before long have some sort of television thing from whatever it's called in Saudi Arabia the league it's like but they've like four privatised teams essentially don't they it's like the, the PIF bought out or propped up four teams and then you have others like Al Etifak the fact that I now know five Saudi Arabian teams like, says it all uh, but Al Etifak Stephen Jarrett's one aren't one of those but still obviously have the, the deep pockets to go and buy Marco Silva's rumoured to be going to Al Ali the Fulham manager yeah well he probably went out of there when Mitrovic you know up sticks as well seeing as he's saying he never There's wants to play for the club today. after price him 50 million quid <laughs> reports today that they're going to give him 40 million a year <sighs> it's just mad Al uh, Ali Al, Al Ali um, we should mention as well them before, today. <laughs> before we shoot off uh, the final uh, referee for the uh, All-Ireland Senior Football Final is appointed David Goff is to referee his second All-Ireland Senior Football Final he'll be in charge next Sunday when Dublin take on holders Kerry the Meath man who is one of the top officials in the game previously refereed the drawn final between these two in 2019 people might remember as well there was some controversy before the game in relation to that because he is from Meath. The game saw him send off Dublin's Johnny Cooper for persistent fouling in the first half. Joe Brawley not impressed with that at halftime. Well, as we've all seen, there's one decent performer in Crow Park this year and that is Meath based on last week's win in the Talton Cup. Amory, thank you so thank much you. for the newsroom this evening. <laughs> Arturo as well. <laughs> thank uh, you. Off the ball. Cheering on the girls in green. I followed the Irish women since 1983. 82,000 people, that's going to be something else. There'll be a hell of a lot of Irish in that and it'll be a hell of a game as well. Love off the ball, we really do love off the ball.